What type of questions were those? Amateurs. Welcome to Amateur Hour. My name is Chris Davis, and joining me is a guy who's definitely not driving right now. It's the soccer goose himself, Ben Gosshorn. How's it going, Ben? Um, good. Definitely not driving. Yeah. It'd be silly to podcast and drive. Yeah. Is it illegal to podcast while driving? I mean, I'm the one who's manning the, the laptop and the microphone. You're just looking straight ahead while chatting. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I guess it's like it's a hands-free type of situation yeah yeah so well it usually is for you anyway like you yeah, don't really do a whole lot of the hands-on stuff yeah but like i mean i'm not technically distracted yeah i mean hopefully a quarter law will feel the same way yep. if we do get pulled over but i mean i think we're fine but uh we are podcasting on our way back from greensboro because um you know ben's lady friend's been out of town for what a week <laughs> Yeah. So he wants to see her as soon as he gets through the door. And we got a fun-filled day tomorrow. Well, yesterday when you listen to this, maybe I'll just go ahead and put it out tonight if I get time to edit it, with uh, World Cup shenanigans and Charlotte Independence shenanigans. So we figured, hey, all the uh, major games have already happened, so let's just talk about it now. But before we uh, paint uh, the playoff picture for you guys, which, uh, spoiler alert, the South Atlantic is still crazy, even though we only got a week yep. left. I thought it'd be simpler than this by now. First, we're going to tell you guys, uh, well, first, we're going to show you guys some interviews from our trip to the NC Fusion U23s. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we had a blast, and uh, we got two awesome interviews for you guys. Uh, Scott Zapko is the GM of the uh, Fusion. He's been with them for, I believe, 19 years. Not their whole existence, but most of it. Yeah. And then we talked with brand-new coach uh, Chris Williams. Uh, it was his first year with the team. The team's been doing really well. So we talked to him about that. Um, so, yeah, without further ado, here's those interviews. Hey, this is Chris jumping in real quick just to let you guys know. Uh, there is a slight, uh, I wouldn't, I don't know if you call it issue or not, uh, with our uh, interview with Scott. Um, it's, I'd say for about a minute, I want to say around the four-and-a-half-minute mark, it's going to be uh, a train starts coming by really close by, uh, very uh, inconsiderate of that train, blowing its horn and all that good stuff. But it's only for about, I'd say, a minute interview. And you can still totally hear uh, everything Scott's saying to us, it's just, you know, a wee bit annoying. So I know some folks are like, God, is this train going to last forever? It's only for about a minute. It's when he's telling us about the history of the Dynamo. And then we get into more stuff about the fusion and stuff with him. Just wanted to warn y'all. Thanks. And joining us now is Scott Zapko, the GM of the NC Fusion. How's it going, Scott? Very well today. We're looking forward to a big game tonight. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for having us. We're really looking forward to it. You guys will obviously hear this after the fact, but we're recording just ahead of their matchup against Lionsbridge. And, um, but we're not talking about the game specifically. Sure. First thing I'd like to talk to you about is I, kind of just for our listeners who may not have, you know, done too much research or, you know, read anything up on you guys. Can you just give us a kind of an overview on the history of the club? Sure. Like, let you know how long the Fusion's been around and what your overall mission is. Well, we started off as a Carolina Dynamo, um, founded in 1991, with the oldest franchise in all the United Soccer League, so that, that was kind of neat. This past year, we just rebranded as the North Carolina Fusion. Mm-hmm. Um, the timing was right. I think it was uh, just a great move. People, I think everything in life is always about people and timing, mm-hmm. and we had the right people, the right time to go ahead and make the rebrand. Mm-hmm. So this has been kind of a, a stepping stone, learning curve type of year, but next year we really look to blow it out. 
Um, the Fusion's great. We've got 6,500 6, kids attached to us now, so everybody wearing the same badge, the same logo. There's not that disconnect where we kind of had with the Carolina Dynamo, mm-hmm. although it was a very historic club through soccer followers across the country, not necessarily always so much here in the marketplace. So that was the reason for the rebrand on that end. Okay. Um, great success all the way through. I mean, we've had you know 80-some guys drafted into Major League Soccer, I think there's 13, 14 playing professionally in Major League Soccer now, another 15, 16 in United Soccer League. So we're very much a path to pro, and, and it's one of our missions is obviously we love to win, but we love to push guys on to the next level as well. Yeah, no, for sure. So with the rebrand, uh, that was something I was going to ask you about, because I know like some people kind of gave you a flack online with the whole Nottingham Forest thing, but sure. I personally dug it because the story you told me about how the connection with the founder here and uh, I believe it was his dad was on the board over there yeah correct Jeffrey yeah. McPherson um, was the chairman of the board of Forest back in the heyday mm. Neil McPherson came over started the Greensboro Dynamo back in the day switched it over to the Carolina Dynamo and uh, yeah I mean he, he owned the club for you know 15 plus years stepped away for personal reasons and then kind of went to PDL and, and everything's been kind of moving forward since then gotcha so with the, the rebrand of the Fusion, is that like kind of what the local setup is here for all the youth? Is the, their Diffusion, you guys just kind of took on that branding? Or? It is. Uh, about 18 months ago, mm-hmm. um, Greensboro Twins, or excuse me, Winston-Salem Twins and Greensboro United yeah. formed to, to uh, become the North Carolina Fusion on oh. all levels. Okay. So what you have is programming in the West called Fusion West, programming in the East called Fusion East, obviously. Right. But those were the Greensboro and Winston marketplaces. So everything's underneath one umbrella now from age oh. three all the way up. We also have adult sports, um, not just soccer, but we're branching out into lacrosse, um, kickball. I mean, just you name it, we're, we're kind of getting into it now. That's awesome. And yeah. you guys are kind of uh, putting yourself as the top of that, that tier. We are. We are the top of the pyramid 100%. So we have the Development Academy attached to us, which is directly below us. Right. So we bring a lot of those kids up to train with the senior team, the USL2 team, quite right. frequently. Um, and obviously just looking to really form that pathway so kids age three all the way up through our senior guys have, have a very clear mission of where they need to go and what they need to be to play on this field. Okay, cool. That, that's definitely one of the top things uh, some listeners wanted us to ask about was what was what was up with the rebrand because if you're not from around here, you don't necessarily know that there's that connection. Sure. So that's good to know. Yeah, so one thing, you, and you've alluded to it, you've given us some, some good stats on it too, uh, but what do you think has made... Previously, Dynamo, now Fusion, of course, productive at making MLS quality talent, professional-type talent. I mean, some of it, let's be honest, some of it's just we've been geographically blessed. I okay. mean, we're in a soccer hotbed, no two ways about it. Yeah. But I think as you look around and you see the stadium and you see the training grounds that we have and the infrastructure that we have, it's something that draws in top-level players. It's a yeah. place they want to be. Hmm. And has there been any sort of, like, maybe coaches or like a specific style in that infrastructure that you have that has made it advantageous to build up that talent? Yeah, you know, we've gone, since we've been PDL or USL2, we've cycled through quite a few coaches. Prior to that, I think we had three in our history. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, certainly Mark Nichols, who's out with the Seattle Sounders, Chris Little out there as well now with Tacoma. Um, both did very, very good jobs and left a lasting impression here, helped us do a lot of different things, such as start our reserve program, which I think as you look around the South Atlantic Division, you see virtually everybody doing it now. Mm-hmm. So it's been you know, something that we've kind of led the, led the way on, and that's been really, really neat. Um, and then bringing in Chris Williams here just recently, I think he has done an absolutely tremendous job this season. Um, 
I know we're going to talk about it in a little bit, but the culture of what we're doing yeah. is, uh, I mean, it's so spot on. We're very much changing who we go after and what, ty- what type of player that we're looking to keep around for the long term. Very, very cool. So, yeah, that's interesting to hear that perspective, of course. Now, transitioning a little bit into the, the women's side of things, sure. um, tell us a little bit about uh, how that came about and then how that impacts the, the culture here as well, having that women's side of the, the game. Yeah, the history of the women. You know, we, we had a W League team way back when the W League was still part of USL, and that was great. Um, no Nonsense Pantyhose was a sponsor. It basically underwrote the, the cost of the entire program. Oh, yeah. They fell on harder times, had to pull out, so we dropped out of the W League. Um, travel was becoming unbearable, quite frankly. I mean, mm-hmm. you were going down to Florida for a couple matches, and it just became very, very expensive. So about six, seven years ago, looked to resurrect that program and really just started a comprehensive training program for the girls over the summer, whereas I went around and kind of set up friendlies for them. Um, and the WPSL really just blew up, and there were so many teams in the area that just it was a natural fit to go ahead and, and put them in a, in, a, in a league with, with very strict competition. Mm-hmm. Girls have been great, um, very much tied into the fusion as well. A lot of our girls were uh, you know, O2s, so they were still mm-hmm. playing ECNL. They're still in high school, just getting ready to go off to college. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mixed that in with some other top-level talent, and, and they ended up winning the division this year, which was fantastic. Yeah, tough division, I believe, right? It was. It was very good, very tough. A little bit younger than I would initially anticipated, which I think help, helped out, but uh, the group of girls that we put on the pitch, I was very, very excited about, and I'm very proud of. They did a fantastic job. And... Um, so you guys won the division. Uh, what's the playoff picture look like for that? Because honestly, it's kind of hard to. to it is on. very very difficult. So the playoffs started. Um, we we <laughs> opted out, not unlike many teams that yeah. won the division. Um, our girls were out in San Diego competing in the ECNL national finals. Mm. So that mm. really preempted our opportunity to go ahead and play. I mean, okay. you were looking at games on the third roster, and so fifth. Yeah. yeah, the games were the third and fifth, and they were just getting back in town. So we said, look, let's go ahead and take this year off as these girls are still in the ECNL and competing. Yeah. Um, and then obviously look to, look to make a push in the playoffs in the future. Yeah, I know it can be tricky. Like uh, last year, uh, we mostly followed Asheville City sure. uh, for the women's side. And uh, the division they were in, I believe they finished second. And the first team place team ended up not going to the playoffs. Neither did they. And I believe it was the fourth place team before they got someone who actually could afford to go to the playoffs. Which, yeah. you know, that's unfortunate, but I guess it's just part of the way it works yeah i think it's just a little bit different on the women's end and uh you know so many of the top level or top-notch colleges uh call their girls back early or mm-hmm. they go in and finish up uh you know the last semester of summer school mm-hmm. so it becomes difficult to field the top the top roster that you want to and certainly nobody wants to go to the playoff and playoffs and not have the success that they feel they deserve yeah. playing yeah. with a different type of roster would kind of feel silly i would imagine too so. yeah it, absolutely and let's be honest we're the only country in the state or in the world that uh the further you go, the more success you have, the more money it costs you as a franchise, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you want to do just good enough to yeah. not get into the playoffs, but have a really good season nonetheless. But knock on wood, we're looking for that win tonight. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and I remember whenever we talked, you were talking about what that kind of being a problem with the U.S. Open Cup, too, on the men's side. Sure. Like how when you guys were going to play the Houston Dynamo, it was kind of unfortunate. You had to pay to fly out there because it's such a short turnaround time rather than being able to host and things of that nature, but that's just how it is. Yeah, it's, that's the nature of the beast, and you know, we were certainly excited to get that far and, and played a wonderful match, lost 4-2, to two, but uh, it was a learning curve, and I think the guys that got to participate really enjoyed the experience. Yeah. Very cool. So for those that uh, 
may not be very familiar with the Greensboro area, sure. me included, I'll admit. Okay. Um, how would you describe the soccer culture here um, as far as like top to bottom or, or how fusion comes into play with that culture that's already here? I think it's pretty unified overall from the respect that, I mean, the fusion is the kind of 800-pound gorilla club in the area. There are some smaller ones around, but, I mean, we have the DA, we have the ECNL, so we have all those, and then couple that in with the USL2 and, and WPSL, so I feel like we are the epitome of soccer in the area. Um, very unified, but also uh, a bit, I don't know what the right word is that I'm looking for specifically, but very focused on what they have going on. So not always not always completely seeing the big picture. Oh, okay, okay. I kind of see what you mean. So it's almost like uh, you've got a dozen horses running the same direction, just maybe not together in some way. Not always completely unified. That, yeah, that's, good, uh, that's a pretty good analogy. I'll go with that. Makes sense in my yeah. head. So. And I think we're getting there. I mean, again, this merger is only 18 months old, and then for... You know, us with the rebrand, it's only four or five months old. So nothing, you know, I always say everything's a marathon, not a sprint. I think it takes yeah. time to get it right. Um, you know, I think what we did and the history that we have and everything else, it sets us up for success. But we still have a lot of hard work to do to get to where we want to be. Yeah. And one thing I was kind of curious on, looking maybe past League Two, because I want to say, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you, may, you may know where I'm going with this question just based on that. I think uh, D3 at the time, but League One officials, whatever you want to call it, sure. maybe came by this area to look into that type of an option. Sure. Um, did that happen, I believe? It did yeah. happen, yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, Stephen Short, who's the president yeah. of the league, you know, obviously I've known him for years, came by, you know, we talked out here for a little bit. I know they went over to, you know, High Point, looked at the new stadium there, went over to the Grasshopper Stadium, looked at it there, but... I think there's an opportunity in, in the long run for us to do something and maybe move up a level, but yeah. I think what we have to do is, is get this merger underneath our belt a little bit and, and do what we do 100% properly mm -hmm. and with a lot of success before we look to expand. Yeah, and I think it, it's interesting because in some respects you can say, why would you not want to do that? That's the top level that you could have in this area. Sure. But I think it's... Something I've noticed here recently is I think there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with just being really good at the level you're at. And especially in a little bit of a transition here period with the combining fusion, if you will, of different areas with sure. the, the soccer universe here. But I think that's it's cool to see that you're getting your, your feet underneath you before you start to run. I think. Yeah, I mean, when, and when you look at the budgets, I mean, I think that's that's the biggest thing. I mean, you know, if you had that sugar daddy that was willing to, to dump <laughs> in a couple million dollars and was all right with losing some money for a couple of years, it might be a different story. Yeah. But I don't think we're really in that position right now. Now, if any listeners want to step up and do that, we're certainly more than open to it. But, uh, you know, I think, yeah, we've got to, we've got to excel at the level we're at before we're, we can really look to move forward. But it is something that's in a lot of different folks, the back of their minds for sure. Yeah. Mm. So one thing I always find interesting about League Two is the different cultures that uh, clubs have, supporters groups, where they're either just your stereotypical like ultras who are you know singing songs and all that good stuff, or like what I believe you guys more or less have. Uh, a lot of your host families seem to get involved, and I was wondering if you could tell us about that support and the host families and things of that nature. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, our supporters group is called the Battleground, and they were founded I think back in two thousand four by a group of gentlemen and. So the canon and all that kind of tied in some Greensboro history and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, 
over the years, it's kind of transformed from some younger guys into, as you mentioned, the host families and that mm-hmm. type of thing. So not necessarily as rowdy necessarily as we like them, but they provide a very, very good avenue for our players. I mean, mm-hmm. to, to it's always overwhelming to me to see folks open up their homes for three, four months over the yeah. course of the summer to a complete stranger and welcome yeah. them in and really make them one of their own. And we have eight to 12 families every year that do it here, yeah. um, some with multiple kids, and that's it's absolutely amazing. Um, they all say it's a life-changing experience for them, obviously in a good way. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's great. So we have some of that, and then there's just some longtime season ticket holders that have been supporters since really the beginning yeah. um, that you know come out on a frequent basis, and a lot of them will grill out underneath the p- pavilion down there, have a few adult beverages, and come in, and sometimes they're a little bit more rowdy than others, depending upon how we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Okay, well, that's really cool. Um, it, it's just always interesting to me. Like, there doesn't seem to be one correct way. There's a lot of ways you can mess it up, but there's not seem to be one correct way to support your team. True. And uh, it's just cool to see that at this level because, you know, the sort of thing's expensive to do. And, like, I can't imagine a player trying to come up here if he didn't have that support, how they would do it. They just have to, you know, not. Yeah, they yeah. wouldn't have that opportunity for sure. Yeah. So it's great that the families do it, and it's allowed us to bring in a lot of different pe- a lot of different players from different schools, different parts of the country, but obviously different parts of the world because a lot of those kids that get housed are, are foreign kids. Yeah. So the last thing I want to ask you about, and uh, I also want to ask the coach this, but I sure. wanted to ask you as well just because uh, we bumped into it briefly and he mentioned to us that this was his first season. What I found interesting about what you guys have been – going through and I'm really curious on is when we first started following amateur soccer it was just you know 2017 you guys had just come off of a really impressive uh run in the South Atlantic I believe the Eagles won the division but they you were right on the heels yeah, yeah. and then everyone kept telling us you know Dynamo's really competitive team really strong you know they're going to be top table and then the last two years have been a little less than what I imagine you guys would have wanted well, the points yes, yeah yes. But this year, you guys are back to that form that you know we had heard about. Yeah. So I was curious, what have you guys done in your turnarounds at all, just because of the rebrand and the, the linking of things, or what have you guys done to be fighting for the South Atlantic title? You know, I think it starts with preparation early in the year. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, you know in the past we've been a little bit lazy as it pertains to going and and really looking and trying to recruit that top level player, mm. and we got after it much earlier this year, and also got outside of the box. And didn't rely so much on local universities. We went out, if you look at our roster, it's very, very diverse. Mm-hmm. We have junior college guys, Division two guys, those types of things. So just kind of changed up the formula mm-hmm. and, and really took a hard look at it during the offseason and go, look, man, I can't lose three years in a row. This isn't going to yeah. work, you know. I'm going to burn the stadium down. This is right. fun, man. It's <laughs> right. kind of cool. So, you know, it, it started with a lot of hard work during the offseason, and that, that's really where it was. Um, then we got Chris hired, brought him in. We saw eye to eye on virtually everything. I mm. think philosophically, everything really, really aligned perfectly. Um, you know, we sit down and, and have an adult cocktail frequently after practice <laughs> and, and, and talk. And so we're always on the same page. But I think what he's done is add another level of professionalism. Um, mm. So, you know, from G, you know, he's got GPS. We've worked really, really hard on set pieces. Just I think our overall preparation, this is no offense to any other coach that we yeah, have. Yeah. I just feel as though he stepped in really, really excited about taking on this role and, and really wanted to excel. And I think uh, he's done a fantastic job. And, again, changing the culture. I mean, we, you know, in the past we've had a lot of guys that are like, hey, I'm going to go on vacation for these two weeks or whatever. And what they figured out is their spot's going to be taken by somebody else when they come back. So now right. they're skipping that vacation, and we have a lot more cohesiveness, not only in the locker room, but on the field. Mm. So training training sessions are a lot more competitive. Um, 
yeah, and just I think those three things in itself made made the biggest difference. Cool, that's good to know. That's something I um, definitely uh, was interested to learn about because you guys have something that a lot of other teams we follow don't have. You have lots of years of experience. You guys have went through so many ups and downs, so many different like you know versions of the USL even. Sure. And uh, I was just kind of surprised when I saw that dip because everything I had heard about the club and just the way you guys have turned things around uh, is really exciting to me. And it's, it's interesting that you guys are still, you always are learning and working and changing up the way you do things. Yeah, until you tell you're 100% right all the time and you're going 16-0 <laughs> and 0 or 14-0 and winning the national championship without conceding goals, you got to take a hard look at yourself and go, what can we do better? Mm-hmm. You know, from the history perspective, I mean, there was a time where, you know, the Dynamo, we were the only PDL team in the state right so you had to pick the litter you know what i mean and now there's Mm -hmm. teams that have sprung up all over the place so the competition for the local player is a lot more difficult than it used to be Mm -hmm. and you know if you look over specifically in the raleigh market you're asking guys from chapel hill duke nc state to drive past three other teams to come and play with you yeah that's a good point you've got to do a lot of things to uh put yourself in an advantageous situation to uh Learn that talent. That's so I think sure. we're getting to the point where we'll see some of those guys look to drive over more frequently mm-hmm. now because I think we're doing things a little bit more the right way. But if not, we're happy to compete with them on the field and go out and search the country for other talent that's out there. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Scott. Most we definitely. really appreciate it, and uh, we're looking forward to the game tonight. Glad you guys could come. Love to have you. Yeah. This transition is brought to you by Lugnut FC. Um, Thank you so much uh, to Lugnut, or I don't know if it's uh, Grinch who's paying the bills, unless Lugnut uh, is doing something on the side where, like, he's, I don't know, selling lemonade at Greenville FC games, or maybe he's got a paper route. He might be a bit young for that. But thank you to Grinch uh, and Lugnut for being wonderful Patreon members and sponsoring this transition. And also, uh, thank you to all our other Patreon members this season. Uh, Zach Leishner, you know, um, Brad, uh, I can't say your last name, Brad. I don't want to butcher it, but uh, you know who you are. Very much appreciate you and uh, a new sub podcast down in uh, Tampa. Really appreciate you guys for being awesome Patreon members all season long. And, um, yeah, I would say you can join Patreon, guys, but we're actually going to close it down considering the amateur season's coming to a close here in the next couple weeks. But um, thank you so much to all of you guys. And without further ado, here's that interview with uh, Fusion coach Chris Williams. All right, so we are uh, welcomed here by head coach of NC Fusion U23s, Chris Williams. Thanks for taking the time today. No, thanks for thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, uh, talking a little bit before we were recording, um, you mentioned that you've got some history with with Chris Wally, and you've been around the soccer universe for a long time. Yeah. So, and I believe you played as well. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, tell, tell us a little bit about your professional career and how that led into a. Uh, yeah, coaching. so um, prior to coming to the States, uh, I, I played um, I played in the Welsh Premier League for a team called Coniskey Nomads. So I was there for, for, for a long time, probably made 150 appearances mm-hmm. over a five-year five uh, five period, I'd say, prior to me coming to the States. And I was a little bit older when I came to the States, I was 22. Um, you know, I, I got a couple of bad injuries um, and I decided that obviously I needed to gain a, a obviously better uh, better qualifications and better education and obviously America was a was, was a fantastic opportunity and a lot of my friends had, had done it before so a couple of my friends opened the doors and I came over and I went to school out in um, California called Holy Names University um, left there as the soccer wasn't as competitive and then uh, I went to a school called Lindsay Wilson College which was in uh, playing in the NAIA 
Uh, back then there were no clearing houses and things like that, so uh, the level of soccer was very, very good. So we played, mm. you know, we played with and against guys who've played on their full national team, and yeah. um, it was a fantastic experience. And obviously during the summer months, I was fortunate to be a part of a couple of good um, PDL teams, now USL2 teams, New Orleans Jesters and Baton Rouge Capitals. For three years, and um, we made it to the final four one year with Baton Rouge, and that was a fantastic experience, you know, going forward. So uh, uh, it was good, and then obviously from there, I graduated, finished up, and um, I had an opportunity to to coach full time at the University of Northwestern Ohio, which is an NAI school. Mm. So I coached there for three years, and um, from there, I was fortunate enough to get a head coach's position at uh, Coca College, which is a Division Two school in South Carolina, and um, and then from there, I was there for five five years, and um, and then I was fortunate enough to, to see this see this job opening and applied for this job and um, I was fortunate enough to get it. So uh, now here I'm full time with the with the fusion with the 23s. Um, so that's part of my role uh, throughout the summer months. The other part of my role is work with the U17 DA Development Academy and oh, also yeah. as a, a college prep advisor as well for, for those who are going to college. So mm-hmm. it's a multifaceted role, um, but I think it all rolls into one in terms of what we're doing here with the 23s. So um, that's a bit of, my, bit of my background. Yeah, very good uh, synopsis, that's for sure. Now, out of curiosity, what was the... Was there a moment where you like, I want to be a League Two coach? Is it, is it kind of uh, maybe a development side for you to move into a, a higher coaching rank? Or, or how did that transition happen for you? Yeah, again, I think as players and as coaches, we all have different pathways in terms of what we want to achieve in our careers and in our life. And I, th- and I think, you know, my, my pathway is I, I would love to go down the professional route. Um, I feel my personality, um, you know, kind of leans more that way. Um, However, in order for me to do that, I have to get into, I have to obviously have this exposure and this experience here at the USL2 level, mm. and then obviously with the club club environment as well, and then obviously let's see, and obviously see where, where it takes me. But this is a huge part of obviously um, my development process as a, as, as a coach as well, is um, dealing with elite level players that not only are elite level players, but they want to play at the elite level as well. So. Yeah. Um, so obviously that that's uh, there was a huge part of obviously my decision, you know, to to make that transition from the, the, the collegiate side to you know to the club side. So. so it sounds like you wanted to dip your toes in the more club side of thing to figure out if that was a, an avenue you'd like to go to. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, in terms of my, I said my professional development, this is definitely an, an area where I, I, I had if I wanted to make that step into the professional game. Unfortunately, I, I don't think college lends. Um, if you look at maybe some of the statistics and look at some of the, the coaches who've gone from the collegiate side to the professional side, there's not many. Hmm. Um, however, there are many who've made the step from USL League to PDL to the USL Championship as assistant hmm. or as head coach and then uh, obviously f- further as well. So uh, it was something that I felt from a professional standpoint I, I, I had to do and um, obviously I'm, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, just from the moment we met you walking in the locker room and just, there's, this may sound like I'm blowing smoke, but there's an air of professionalism to you, it sounds like. You you know exactly the way you want things done. Um, And talking with uh, Scott as well, there's a a path you have, it seems like, as well. Yeah, Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now... Along the lines of recruiting, that, that's something I'm very curious on with with League Two because yeah. I, I can imagine there's 
two dozen different routes you could go. But yeah. but what does that look like for you? I mean, you are a first year head coach in this league. Yeah. But but how does that look like in the off season and uh, prioritizing certain things as well? That, yeah. that, that's a great question, and and I think it all depends what club you you belong to. If I'm being completely honest, for, for ourselves, we have a certain core values, certain core values that we have within the club. Um, that, that we look for in our players first and foremost and not as footballers just as human beings um, mm. um, that being uh, being humble so humility uh, and trust are two of the big big values that we have as a, as a, as a programme and hard work as well um, so for us it's finding those type of players as well you know that, that, that's crucial just on the human level from a, a footballing standpoint um, we develop what we call a, a player profile for each position so mm. basically we, we have a player profile for the goalkeeper all the way through the team and, and basically we, we list key qualities in terms of what we look for from, from a footballing standpoint in a goalkeeper, in a right back, which all kind of ties into the way in which we want to play in terms of our philosophy as mm -hmm. a club um, and what we call our game model, how we want to play. Um, so what we do is we, we, we gather those player profiles together, we know exactly what we're looking for um, and then we have vast amount of contacts throughout the US from and what's great about our team I, I'd say right now is we have players from the junior college level we have players from the NAI level we have players from division two and we have players from division one as well all, mm. all throughout the divisions you know we, we believe that we don't believe that just because you're a division one player you should be playing at this level if you if if you're good enough regardless of what level you're playing yeah. that there's a there's a there's a place for you here mm -hmm. um, and I can attest to that because I was a product of the NAIA as a, as a player and I've coached at the division two level and I know the levels so um, so we have guys playing at all different levels so so we look and we we, we speak to coaches and, and we um, we see if these players match our pre player profile and if they do we, we we offer them an opportunity to come and play here um, and our big selling point really more than anything is um, you know, we want guys who are humble, um, who, who are going to trust us, who are hardworking and have a vision to play at the next level because what we don't want is we don't want players coming here who are just going to play here for the summer and uh, want to stay fit for their, for their college teams. We, we, want, yeah. we want guys who... You can run on a track and do that. Absolutely, yeah. correct. Yeah, we want guys who are hungry, you know, and I think it's, uh, you know, we, we want to create an environment where there's, there's players who are extremely hungry and they want to be exposed to the next level. Um, because we feel that we can get the most out of those players because um, it's like dangling a carrot for them. So everything that we say and everything that we do within, within the club, especially here with the 23s, it's about the next level. So when yeah. we reference something, it's never about here and now. It's about at the next level, we, they do this. At the next level, so you're constant, we're constantly trying to dangle that carrot for them to say there's something bigger and there's something more for you. Mm -hmm. you know? um, and if you're hungry enough, Go out and get it, you know. So yeah. that's kind of uh, you know the types of players you know that we look for in the recruitment in the recruitment side of things as well. So I hope that answers. No, it does. I mean, there's a lot. I had no idea. So that's a good uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. explanation yeah, of yeah. things. And is there any type of film involved with that too, yeah, or, is there, yeah. or is it kind Absolutely. of more word of mouth? And yeah, that type of thing no, too? no. We, we we will we will scour the nation if you like we're very fortunate because we're in a, a very good region for, for soccer you know we have Wake Forest 40 minutes down the road NC State North Carolina Chapel Hill um, and then obviously you look at some of the Division 2 colleges you look at Catawba College in Salisbury um, you look at Queens there in Charlotte um, you, and then and then obviously we have a vast amount of contacts elsewhere so it's easy for us to just go and watch a game and say does he fit our player profile yes okay let's offer him mm. you know and one thing I will say is 
what what we're trying to do next year or next season, should I say, so twenty twenty, is um, identify these players very very early, so we can kind of have our squad set by January. Oh wow! Um, late. So that that's that's our goal. Mm. Um, because what we can then do is we can then start to educate the players in terms of how we how we want to play and what our what our values of our club is, if you like, going forward, as opposed to getting a last minute, you know, getting ten getting ten players in April. Yeah. yeah, because players are just looking. Because we feel like we we want to be as competitive as we possibly can and expose these players to the best level they can possibly be exposed to. Um, and the way in which we do that is by making sure that we get our squad early, um, yeah. so we can start to develop these players um, in terms of how we want to play, etc. Going forward, so that's something that we we we're, we're keen to do um, next year. So. Um, I'm sure there'll be a couple of late ones. I know there will be. Right. I know there will be. But we, we want the we want the majority of our squad done by by January December time. Yeah. That's really interesting because like when when I just spoke with Scott, one of the things I asked about, and I wanted to ask you kind of a version of the question was, you know, um, the formerly Dynamo, the last couple of years kind of underperformed where yeah. their standard usually is at. Yeah. And I was really curious, like, what's been the big turnaround? I mean, obviously, new coach probably helps that a bit. But yeah. the, the the number one thing Scott credited was. The way you guys work together and your focus on not being, he said, lazy and getting players in, you know, quicker. So I think that's interesting that you guys are already trying to plan for next year and get players in even quicker into this year because yeah. clearly it's helped this year. But what I was really curious about, uh, considering this is your first season, yeah, um, what were some of the the key things that Scott or whoever else would have been involved with hiring you yeah. said to you about uh, what they wanted and you as a coach to help? bring this club back to where it should be yeah you know and um, first and foremost what, what I'll say is that part of the turnaround is we've got great staff yeah. like mm. my assistant Liam um, who's going to be the assistant at Tiffin University is mm -hmm. unbelievable he's been my right hand man for, for four years now when I was at, when I was at, when we were both at Coca and obviously now here mm. so we he knows how I work I know how he works we both work together so in terms of the relationship we have there and the relationship we have with Scott we're very tight we're very close mm. so I think that that first and foremost is is massively important um, you know what I would say is um, you know we've tried to you know we've, we've tried to create a culture of care and excellence that was that's the first first thing that, that I, I wanted to do when I came in. So part of the interview process, one of the questions I believe was, um, you know, how do you create a good program, if you like, I think it was in the in the USL2, you've been a part of the program. And for me, first of all, was, you've got to create a culture of excellence and care, and you've got to provide them with a good experience. You know, mm -hmm. those are the, the three key areas that, that we had to concentrate on when, when, we, when we brought the players in and day one. And that was something that we discussed with the players. So how we did that, or how we're doing that is by one, um, building relationships with the, with the players, not only on a um, not only a, on, on a footballing level, but on a human level. Mm, yeah. You know, is is taking taking an interest in them as people. Um, you know, and what what their aspirations are and what their dreams are. Do they want to play at the next level? And fortunate enough, we've got a group of players who want to. So then, then it's easier for me to then motivate them, and it's easy for Liam to motivate those players now because we know exactly what they want to do. Um, sense of togetherness was was a huge part of it. Um, and uh, you know we will you'll see us do little things to, today like um, uh, after training sessions or after games you know there's a there's huddles we tell players to shake each other's hands look at each other as in the eye um, and so tell them tell each other good job um, you know there's a closeness between staff and players which is hugely important and, and we're kind of all in this together if I'm being completely honest and the guys realise that we're in a very fortunate position 
with an unbelievable facility first and mm. foremost we have yeah. great you know got access to everything that we can possibly need um, and I think as well that the Liam and I are, if we were to describe our leadership style it's very much lead by example and it's very much a servant leadership and what, what we mean by that is the guys will see us working working our asses off yeah. um, am I allowed to say asses? that's whatever you okay. like <laughs> <laughs> so you know the guys will see that in us in terms of the way in which we prepare how the locker room looks how the warm up looks when we do video analysis when we travel on the road when we eat on the road where we eat how we eat and the guys see that and they see these details that are going into it and they know that we care when we score, we celebrate as a group, you know, Liam and I yeah. celebrate. And, and the guys see that when we do a match analysis, the guys can see us celebrating on the side. They're laughing in the locker room. But we say to them, that's how much we care, guys. Like, yes, we care about the winning, but we care about you guys too. We care, we care about you, you know. So creating that, that culture of care and excellence was a huge part of um, why I think we, we, we're doing so well right now. And, um, and we've been very fortunate that it's, that's happened so quickly. Because sometimes it takes a. I've been in environments where it's taken a lot, lot longer, and you've got to take people out, and you've got to put people in, and you've got to make sure that you've got that you've got the right people. And um, I think the famous All Blacks, uh, the famous All Blacks ha have a mantra, um, and they say no dickheads. And um, I know I can say that because of a podcast you told me just then. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so that's one of their mantras, and and I'll be completely honest, we don't have any. And I think that's huge for us. You know, we've got to bring in the right type of people um, because the reality is if, if there are any of those, they quickly weed themselves out. Um, we, had a, we had 30 something guys at the start of the season. You know, right now we have 20, 22 to 23. So seven of those have we, weeded themselves out. Not, not, anything that we've, not anything that we've done, they just can't hold up to the standards that we set mm -hmm. for them. And that kind of culture of excellence that we, we want to create for them. So, um, yeah, so that's that's a, a little bit of the reasons why I feel that we've we, we, we've done well. Um, and obviously the players, we've got good players. You know, mm. we've got good players. And if you put good players in a good environment and they know that they're cared about and they know that the coaches want what's best for them, they're willing to do more. And um, the guys are willing to do more. And you can see, I know it's a long-winded, but, you know, we've been down five times this year. Mm. You know, losing one nil, and you know we've come back, and you know we've we've won two one, and that's a testament to obviously the players' character and you know what what they're made of as well. So yeah, so that's 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 massive. So for sure. Well, um, I don't think I have any other questions for you, do you Ben? Yeah, I think that's uh, that sounds about good to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks so much <laughs> for well, talking to us, coach. No, thank you very much. Thanks for having us, and hopefully you enjoy the game. Yeah. It's a plan, right? Awesome. Thanks again to Scott and Chris for joining us on the pod. Really appreciate it, and it was a lot of fun. And uh, after we talked with both of them, we uh, checked out the game with our good friend Alex Warren of Talking Jacks. Uh, it was a lot of fun, wasn't it, Ben? Yeah, it was a good time. Uh, it, was, it was cool to uh, finally get up there and uh, see it in person. Um, yeah. I was really interested to like to see the uh, stadium, the field. Heard good things about the field, of course. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, it was cool seeing their stands. Like, it's something kind of unique yeah. um, that I don't think I've seen uh, very often in, uh, in League 2, really, or just kind of in general in lower division soccer, that they have their own uh, stands with a, with an overhang, too, which I yeah. thought was really cool. It, it looked kind of, uh, maybe for lack of a better word, like iconic in some ways. Um, 
it just seems like it could be part of their identity that stadium not that it's anything yeah. massive or you yeah. know totally different but you see that i can't remember another stadium in the our area that has that little feature to it so it's pretty nice yeah. yeah it was cool it was just it was nice being there in person to kind of witness it it's definitely an older stadium yeah probably it looks older like than we are i would probably say <laughs> it um, looks like and i don't mean to be mean but like it was nice about 20 years ago yeah. like not that it's not nice now but like they could definitely do with some little bit of updates here and there with the pa system and the scoreboards yeah. plus they still got to switch over some of their stuff that says the dynamo over to their new branding the fusion yeah. But I think it had a lot of charm, is what I really oh, liked for about sure. it. Like it, it, uh, it lived up to my expectations mm -hmm. on what it did look like. And the pitch was beautiful. Person. Yeah, pitch was gorgeous. I mean, yeah. they had multiple fields. Yeah. Uh, I guess adjacent or in that general area, and uh, every one of them were, were gorgeous. Um, yeah. So it was cool to uh, see that complex in motion and. Uh, yeah, the game was really good, too. Yeah, the uh, Lions Bridge came to town, so, of course, we, we yep. caught up with Mike and them, as we do. And it was a lot of fun. Like, uh, Lions Bridge at that point didn't really have anything to play for. They've been eliminated from the playoffs already. So they rotated some guys. Ivan didn't even come into the, the 18 at all. They had yeah. a different goalkeeper in, which I can't believe they didn't start. I don't know if that goalkeeper just had his game of his life, but yeah, he was good, good Lord, he looked like he should be yeah. starting. Number zero is uh, maybe yeah. should be number one. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, he made, like, I, I'm thinking off the top of my head, three amazing saves yeah, to keep Lions Bridge in the game. Three, I would say, near surefire goal opportunities uh, for Fusion, and it was uh, – yeah, it was a high-scoring game. I, I joked with Coach when we uh, we first met him when we got there. I'd love to see some goals tonight. And he's like, well, well, we'll try to score more goals than they do. And yeah. uh, that happened. There was a lot of them, too. I mean, it was a 3-2 uh, yeah. victory for the Fusion. And uh, uh, I don't know one. if Coach said in an interview or after fact, but he talked about how his team is resilient. They come from behind a lot. Yeah. And they had to in this game, too. Lionsbridge had an early goal. I want to say it was like in the first 10 minutes where, like, I can't. I believe it was Ramsey, number sixteen for them. He uh, like when he scored, the the ball hit both posts before going in. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, through the course of the whole game, I kind of almost kind of went to the back of my mind. But yeah, that was a yeah. gorgeous goal. Um, I think the only time I've ever seen, definitely in person or even in a long time, uh, ball bounce between one post to the other post and actually go in. Yeah. But uh, and uh, didn't you say uh, number ten? Was that Luca? What was his name? Uh, Really Bruno. bad at names. Bruno, Bruno. Yeah, I don't Bruno. know why I thought Luca. Yeah. But um, Bruno, oh my goodness, he looked. Yeah. I could see why he's like in their top, like the USL number, tops, yeah, like, like number, number four, four or something like that. I think. I could see why. He he yeah. uh, really impressed. He was moving the ball real well. He um, It was like he was just dancing around dudes at some point yeah, during the game. It seemed like, uh, I mean, I wouldn't even say seemed. He was on a whole other level. Yeah, he was. To the other players on the pitch he was playing against because. Like you said, he would just dance around the pitch. Yeah, I don't um, think he had a – did he have a goal? He made uh, goals happen. Like the third goal – Yeah, I think he was more of a facilitator. He, yeah. He played like a, a cam role. Mm -hmm. um, and there were just – you could tell that like their coach has really – Chris, Chris, I should say. Yeah. Has done a really good job of putting uh, players in a position to succeed because uh, – I forget his name, but number four, the, the right winger is actually yeah, right mid. Yeah, I forget too. Um, he really was impressive. He got the second goal, I think. Yeah, I believe he got the game winner. Um, the one where, like, uh, they crossed and it looked like uh, number uh, 22, I believe it was, was going to head it in and then just fell right to oh, – yeah, that, yeah, that was the game winner. That was the game winner. Yeah, yeah. that was uh, – he just seemed to be really deadly. I mean, there was one chance he had that he just 
he cut around their left back and mm. just diced into the box and just just happened to, to not get it on frame. Um, really, just they they had, they had I would say excellent attacking players and it. Their build-up play was really quite good too. Um, I forget their striker's name, but he, he was like, I mean, for we're this bad with names. level, um, what? I said we're bad with names. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a sheet somewhere. I probably. No, you may have been twenty-two. Out. You know that was twenty-two. I'll correct my uh, my statement. Let me look. I do have but, a sheet. Uh, if I get yeah, some light. Yeah, he like his ability to hold up play. Um, I've definitely not seen at this level in, in a lot of other examples um, of watching at this level at least. Number four is, I'm going to apologize, I'm going to say this wrong, Faisal Amuslot, plays for UNC Greensboro. That was number four. Uh, number 22 was Kennedy Nawabia. It doesn't say that he's with any school. It says unattached. Oh. And then number 10 was Bruno Lapa. That might be why I thought of Luca. Yeah, thing. that makes sense. But uh, it those guys in particular really impressed. It, it 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 was just a joy to watch. It was a fun game. It wasn't like a. It was very back and forth. Um, I can't remember if did the, the the fusion they went up two one right and then uh, Lionsbridge tied it and then fusion yeah. took the win. Mm-hmm. I yeah, think I that's how it went. That it, it, it was just a fun atmosphere. There was there was a decent amount of fans there um, yeah. and it was just such a blast and we really appreciate everybody. Uh, Helping us, you know, come to the game. Oh, I even got my face painted, y'all. Yeah, Check did. out Twitter. Uh, I got you my face make painted. That the title of the, I got my uh, face painted, y'all. Yeah. No, no. Well, maybe you can do the title as that, but you could. Uh, I was thinking the picture. You could have as that, maybe. Yeah, possible. But, Who uh, knows? But if I don't make it the picture, which not everyone gets to see, of course, anyway, the other person it out on Twitter. Not me. Yeah, no. Despite other reports, uh, yeah. Ben was too scared to get his face painted. I mean, they wanted to look good for his lady, I guess, when he got home. Yeah, right. I gotta keep up a uh, reputation. Uh, reputation. You wear yeah. cargo shorts and you're wearing a bandana right now. You look like a little. I don't know. Keep my hair out of my eyes. Okay, whatever, buddy. I gotta, I gotta focus. I'm already. Oh, you can podcast, podcast. but yeah. you, you need to keep. Well, that's fair. Yeah. I say the two, the ones more distracted. But anyways, thank you so much to the fusion. It was a blast. We really appreciate it. So, with that being said, I kind of thought with this win, it would almost solidify their place in the South Atlantic. Not so fast. Um, which we'll talk about in a minute. But first, Ben, uh, can you tell me how the NPSL Southeast is wrapping up? Like, uh, what yeah, we got to look forward so, to this week? Um, Asheville City, I think, just beat, I'm forgetting who they are. They just beat Atlanta SC, mm-hmm. uh, which that's good for them because they have, I think they've never lost to, uh, I should say, not Atlanta SC, the Nickelbacks of Atlanta. <laughs> Um, in regular season, um, so that, that was good for them. That kind of solidified their place in, I think, three in the standings eventually. Where they ended up putting Possibly. Them. It doesn't really matter because of the way the tournament's yeah. going to go. Um, but uh, international, I forget. I guess the result really didn't make a difference, quite frankly. But they're in fourth. Um, so it was four uh, international, three Atlanta, or Asheville, sorry. Uh, Disrespectful. Nashville again. Yeah, Tim's um, coming after you. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then uh, Greenville FC uh, really, uh, they, they just lost to uh, Inter Nashville the week before, first loss of the season, and they, they came back from being a, a goal down to uh, to score three unanswered goals wow. at home against Chattanooga FC, who is going to be number one in the division. will host the playoffs as well, so 
the way that'll shake up is uh, Chattanooga will play International on Friday, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Uh, and then that Saturday, no, I think it's the reverse section. Saturday is when they're playing. Uh, what? No. Friday, then Saturday, yeah? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Friday and Saturday. They're, both games are being played on Friday, but one of them's earlier. I don't, I don't know. It's like 4.30. Oh, the earlier one's Asheville versus uh, Greenville one because, okay. you know, they want their game to be last. There you go. That makes so sense. So it's yeah. like 4.30 their time, which I think is 5.30 our time, like I Eastern. So. I don't yeah. know. But we'll get a uh, Carolina Classical Part 3 this season, mm. um, which – could be wrong, but I feel pretty confident whoever wins this game wins the uh, officially the uh, um, stump or the. the I thought log. the stump already was was handed over to Greenville or uh, Asheville. I I'm, I'm I feel like playoffs shouldn't count. But it's a matchup. It should, and it's. But it's an extra matchup. Like what happens uh, if like what happens if Greenville had won one, uh, Asheville had won one. And then this game, well, this game went in in a draw, but, like, what if there was a win, draw, loss for each side? Would you, that would be more complicated. I don't think it should count. I think it should. Because it's, it's not even played in Carolina. nothing else, technically speaking. You, you you wouldn't be saying this if you were an Asheville fan. Well, of course not. You're only saying this because you're a Greenville fan. No, like, no we still have a chance. Technically speaking, the, the reason why Asheville got the, the trophy is because of away goals. Like, that's just. Legit, yeah. Uh, it's harder to score away goals, buddy. Yeah, but the second matchup was a draw. Like, I would so was the it, first matchup. I would get it if y'all should see his face right now. Man. He's just like so upset about. It's good because he's in the video podcast. Yeah, he's like, man. I'm just he's got like he's like, kind of looking up. Like, if we beat Asheville, we should leave Chattanooga with the uh, covenant. Uh, well, the, uh, why don't you focus on trying to leave Chattanooga with the Southeast title rather than a stump? both of those things. Why can't they both be together? You're greedy, both? sir. You're right, I'm greedy. Greedy. We got a chance to take Cla- the Carolina All right. Classical. People don't need to hear right. your homerism. Yeah. I, this is we got a lot more to opinion. talk about. Unbiased. I'm not, even wearing green. I'm not even wearing green today, so. That's true, you're not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's other playoff scenarios. There are. Yeah, let me, let me talk about that right quick. Well, the Deep South, as we've said before on this podcast, much simpler than the South Atlantic where it comes to League Two. Deep South, the Tuminta lead the Bantams by one point. They, uh, Tuminta played Dalton Red Wolves on Tuesday. The Bantams play in Charlotte on Tuesday. And then they meet up on Saturday in Columbia for the finale. So it's very possible this Saturday coming up uh, we have a Deep South championship. Now, that being said, it's all but confirmed that whichever team doesn't win the Deep South should get that wild card spot. Because, like, the only team that could possibly catch the Bantams is Florida Elite SA. Oh, no, that's not true. The team below them, Tritons, could also beat them, uh, catch them. But looking up at the other division, well, no. Okay, I'm wrong. Corpus Christi. It looks like the Bantams are going to get that wild card spot if they don't get the Deep South yeah. title. So that would be good. Now, that said, there's no way the second-place team in South Atlantic is making the playoffs. And – there's no way of knowing who is going to be that second-place team or the first-place team right now. Um, here's how it works with the South Atlantic. Lionsbridge, Wake Forest, or Wake Forest, Wake FC, and Tobacco Road are all eliminated from winning the South Atlantic. But here's how the other four teams can win the South Atlantic this year. NC Fusion, if they win or draw their last two games, they'll win the title. So even if they get a draw in both games, they'll win. 
if they win both games, they'll obviously win as well. But even if they beat NCFC but lose to Virginia Beach, Virginia Beach could steal the title from them. Virginia Beach, uh, the Virginia Beach game is their last game on Saturday. The NCFC versus Fusion game is on Wednesday. The Virginia Beach could win uh, if they win their last two games, then they'll be champions as well. They could be tied with the Fusion if they do that, um, but like on points, but they'd have the head-to-head tiebreaker, which I think, um, like I think it's a head-to-head tiebreaker. The, the wording in the USL website is throwing me off. It says head-to-head record based on total points in league games. I think that means head-to-head and league play. <laughs> so uh, the other two teams who still technically could win are NCFC and Tri-Cities, but it is much more complicated, so I'm going to try to explain this without rambling too much. NCFC have to defeat the Fusion on Wednesday. If they don't, they're done. They, they can't even draw against them. It's in Greensboro. In Greensboro, yes. If Virginia Beach gets the win the day before when they play Wake FC, who they just beat like 4-1 tonight when I'm recording this, then NCFC needs the Fusion and Virginia Beach to draw their match on Saturday. If that happens, there will be a three-way tie for 24 points. Uh, yeah. And the, the tiebreakers are a little confusing when it's three or more teams involved. Uh, so they got to hope that whatever tiebreakers work out are in their favor. If Virginia Beach do lose that game on Tuesday, then, then Virginia Beach drawing or beating the Fusion on um, – Saturday would see NCFC through with the first tiebreaker with um, Virginia Beach or the Fusion. They have tiebreakers over both of them, the head-to-head stuff. Now, that's only if the Otters do not also win out because if the Otters win out, which is their last two games uh, against Tobacco Road, they also would have 24 points. So there is this crazy scenario where there could be four teams with 24 points at the end of the season. In which case, I have no idea how to figure out who would win the division. I think they flip a four-sided coin. I, it might eventually get to that. I think it's more of a dice, really. <laughs> but, but the only way the Otters can possibly qualify is if they get those 24 points. No one else gets more than 24 points. But they actually need two other teams to get 24 points because they don't have tiebreakers with anybody for that head-to-head. So they have to hope that one of the latter tiebreakers would see them through. Um, I hope that made sense. Uh, come Tuesday or Wednesday, it'll be a lot clearer. So uh, definitely or the match. Won't. Maybe you won't. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, well, that's a good point. If things go the way I said, yeah. then they won't. <laughs> Fun times. But um, So that's pretty much the playoff picture. I'd say games to watch. Obviously, the NPSL playoffs on Friday and Saturday will be interesting. It's really brutal turnaround time for that. Yeah, it's but crazy. that's just how it goes sometimes. Um, if you can go to Greensboro to watch the Fusion uh, play NCFC, that's definitely a matchup, as well as NCF or the Fusion hosting uh, Virginia Beach, but neither one of those games are streamed, unfortunately. Um, other than that, the main matches to keep your eye on, obviously the Bantams versus um, Tumenta at the end of the season. That's most likely going to be a Deep South Championship fight. And I'm trying to think of anything else. I mean, Virginia Beach, that game against Wake should be interesting. But... Um, yeah. I don't know if there's anything else we need to talk about. No, uh, I'm afraid to ask you about your BGM podcast of the week because you usually look through your phone and you're driving. So. Um, yeah, I won't do that. Um, so no BGM podcast of the week this week. Let's do all of 
Yeah, listen to every single one. I'm going to bgn.fm and pick one. Just, just, just pick one. Yeah, just subscribe. You can delete it. Give us those sweet, sweet downloads. Um, I hope this audio isn't terrible. My mic, uh, my audio indicator on my thing is not looking great. So if this has been awful, I apologize. But um, also, this is the only time I could do it. So, yay. Anyways, we'll be back next week. Uh, we're planning on going down to Discoveries to watch their final game of the season um, and talk to them about, you know, what it's been like their first year in the league to how things are going to work with them merging, you know, with the other teams and, you know, possibly having an Independence U23s next year. We don't really know. Um, but I have to get a hold of somebody. That's been a little tricky. So if any of y'all know Discoveries people, reach out to me. Yep. <laughs> but until then, I've been Chris. That's been Ben. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.